0: I want to talk about what a philosophical war really is and what it's all about and how we are getting it going how it started it really when it comes down to it it is a very important war, and I mean this literally, um, yeah, it's it's the piece itself is being done as a performance, um, the way that I even talk about it is, you know, often with performance language, um, but really it, it is extremely important. It might not seem that it is as important as, you know, some of the wars uh, of the past, war as we actually think of them, but it is as important as all of those wars combined, and then some. Because if we don't fight this war, then we are bound to war itself uh, for the, for eternity. We are we are bound to struggle, and that's that's what war is. War is is conflict. It is. It is struggle. It is one entity opposing another. And they they battle. And in that battle, you know, everything is determined. <laughs> that's that's why war is the final result often. It's the last it's the last bastion ...of resolution. It's, it's you know, the will of one against the other. And it is often the only thing left to do. Now, some war is... thrust upon us well some war is uh, depending on whose side you're on I suppose there are some wars that we fight that um, you know have been to take an advantage of some kind um, you know an opponent attacks you know, Another opponent, and to gain the land of uh, you know, that person which, or that, that force in which they attacked. Some war is for strategic reasons, some for you know, political. I have argued in the past that there are no wars based on religious ideology alone, and I would hold true to that here. But I'm not going to to go into it at all, other than to say that at this point. Um, but all war, and the, oh, excuse me, and then there is another war that is thrust upon us there's another type of war that we do not choose i mean there're basically when it comes down to it two kinds of war <laughs> yeah. the wars that we choose and the wars that we do not ones in which we are the aggressors and one which which are we are the defenders um and it May be that even the aggressors, uh, for the aggressors, war is inevitable. Um, that certainly could be the case where the initial attacker attacks only because they are forced to for survival or whatever the case may be. But the war is that we are thrust into are the most desperate Uh, and they are the ones that are fought with the most passion with the most fervor and they are the ones that are the most difficult for an opponent Uh, to win the good news is is that is the kind of war that we find ourselves within Uh, a war not of choice but of necessity the bad news is is that we are so deeply behind (laughs) the enemy is so deeply, has penetrated so deeply within the lines of our territory um, that to extradite it will be a great undertaking Um, and it is something that The full arsenal of whatever weaponry we have as an opposing force must be used against it. However, the problem is that even our weaponry has been depleted and compromised because we have been so long under the occupation of, of this opposing force. Um, that we need to, to rebuild, we need to stock restockpile our weapons uh, and re- reformulate our armies. Re- it has to be done in a way, in a very calculative way. Um, you know, you have to, we have to train properly We have to bring about our, within ourselves, within our own, we have to raise our own army. We have to bring about within that army something that is highly effective um, against this overpowering enemy. And it is overpowering. It is so submerged in our life that it is so deceptive. That it is deception itself. That its war, really when we come down to it, is one of deception. That is its that is its main enemy. Or its main... Uh, uh, uh weaponry, so far as this is concerned, so this aspect of it is concerned it's deception it's its main ally It's the thing it uses most um, It's its main tactic there we go. Its main tactic is deception and we. It is so deceptive that we aren't even aware that there is an enemy present. It has, again, attacked us for so long with such veracity that we aren't even aware of the attack anymore. It's so normal to us that we have not (laughs) any recognition of its happening. And that is an ongoing danger that amplifies itself exponentially with every action that we do Um, to strengthen it. And that's... It's other problem is that it is so ingrained within us. It is so much a part of... how we live this war. That we don't even know who we are without it. We are like soldiers. Real soldiers. Like... The soldier who goes off to war and then is... Swept back into society and knows only violence, knows only of this sort of lawless happening, or that's what has at least been given him the greatest impression, even though he may have lived 20 some odd years in a non violent society. He gets thrust into a society that didn't maybe make as great of an impression, nearly as great of an impression on this person as did this very short happening, time-wise anyways, of war. So we are so imbued with these these uh, happenings of war, these these tactics the, 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 were so imbued with the enemy itself that if we were to get rid of it, we would we would literally not know how to operate. If we just it's like like a drug addict, even though it's bad for us, we'll die if we just take it, if we just strip it away. (laughs) If we just take the heroin out of the heroin addict, uh, the heroin addict, the addict will die. And uh, so it is with, with us. We live with this thing it it is a parasite on sucking leeching onto us and sucking the vitality from us and we live shorter weaker and far less significant in far, in far less significant ways far less significant lives than We otherwise could without this extremely oppressive enemy. In fact, this enemy needs us so badly if we reverse that perspective from our relationship to it, its relationship to us, is all that it has. That's where the difference is, is that we, without it, we had an existence prior to it. We had an existence beyond it its only existence is this is this war is this happening that it is that is what it, it, it is it lives because of this conflict not in spite of it and that is where we are stronger than it that is where and why it can never win the actual war even though it has won almost every battle in this long standing, the longest standing war of all time it's won every battle Almost. Save, save for a few. <clears throat> but our secret weapon is that we have something that it doesn't. Which is an existence apart from this war. Where our enemy has nothing but this war. Our enemy is this war itself. but we are more than this as human beings we have an originality to us a naturalness that has been perverted by this war that has been obstructed by this war. We have something that no matter how many bullets penetrate our armor, no matter how many cannonballs fall on our fields, no matter how many territories they occupy or how many of our leaders they assassinate, we have something that they cannot touch. This war is really all about for the enemy. And for ourselves is what we really are. This war is about what really is. And we can live as we have been, or we can fight. We can stand and fight. in this war that we did not choose although we enabled it we will take the responsibility for its existence but it almost happened to us in a choiceless way it was upon us before we even realized how far how far gone we already, were as soon, we already were as soon as, as soon as we were in it. It was like we jumped and didn't realize that we were on a cliff. But this war is ultimately for us, for our that act, that territory, that only we occupy and that we will only we will be the only things that occupy that are able to occupy it unless we seed that as well. But to this point we have not. To this point we have kept that track of our that that little bit of our originality of our actual initial being or that sort of ivory garden ivory garden in our in ourselves that eden within us and that is something that That is one of the last things that we have. Um, That is the last thing that we have, but that that is the ultimate target of this enemy. Um, But again, its target is also our weapon. Because it is this untouchable place and this indestructible force if it is implemented, but that's the problem is that again we are so darkly in tune, we are so darkly aligned with with this opposition that an extraction from it brings down our entire system of being. So, all we can do, most of us anyway, all we can do is surrender. Let's not give up so much for that would be suicide but we surrender and we surrender in hopes that our jailbreak force isn't far behind never comes, if that jailbreak never comes then our captors will see the errors of their ways or latch on to something that is they like about us the prisoners and we will survive in that way And that is basically how we have survived. We have survived as prisoners. We have survived as prisoners of this occupying force. We have coddled them We have pandered to them. And we exist as some sort of low-bred mutation, a cross between ourselves and what our occupiers have molded us to be. And it is, again, just not our natural self. It's not our truest thing. It's not our reality, which is, of course, our ultimate liberation, or our ultimate goal is liberation. It is this freeing of oneself from this invasive force. And... To do that... We have to target... Places... Where... Of course they are most... This enemy is most vulnerable... But... How do you do that... (laughs) If you don't... Know that you're under attack... And don't know that you have an enemy... And in fact are most likely even harboring that enemy giving it safe passage feeding it carrying out its missions doing its bidding for it not against it that is how subversive this enemy is. That's how strong it is. Because war is deception. That is precisely what it is. War is conflict, and conflict is against reality. War is something that is not real. It is is not living harmoniously with the natural state of affairs. It is something that again is kept alive only by this conflict, only by these difficulties that it imposes and very few reap the benefits ...from it while the rest are enslaved to it. Soldiers... ...generals even... ...lords of the kingdom... ...everyone becomes a slave to it. Everyone... ...no one is safe. And... ...we... ...again... We don't even know that this exists because of its deceptiveness. So we first have to identify. What it is, let us see how damning and destructive it is, and once we are aware that it exists, or even the possibility of its existence, then we can at least move to mobilize, to, to fight even in a limited way at first you know we don't have to you, you're not, we're not going to gain the compatriotship of all of the people uh, at the start of the battle but hearts and minds are won through proper fighting um, and through proper technique through the proper reason for the fight itself so so we need to demonstrate that necessity, that that enemy exists, that the necessity to eradicate it exists. Uh, And we need to provide people with the means by which to eradicate that enemy because there's only so much that one person can do that one battle uh, can accomplish one battle can turn the war Um, but it takes the entire scope of all the other armies to to surrender so we need to again first identify that enemy and that enemy is conception this entire war is about conception about the occupying force of conception. And what what is conception? Well, conception is the general modus of concepts. It is the way that concepts interact. The way that the human the 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 utilization of human interactions with idea with consciousness. We turn this interaction into a concept, into a law, into some sort of system. And then we use that as a tool, Uh, as a tool that uh, gives us understanding about a certain thing, um, a certain law of nature, a certain mechanical operation. Um, a certain rule of engagement when doing almost anything. Um, And we set up all these very strict boundaries and parameters around uh, these conceptions because conceptions by their very nature um, are not tidy. They are not Uh, they're not kept whole and singular um, because they're not something that is true and real and actual so they need to be continually roped in and modified and molded so because they're, again, they're born of, of a human interaction, of a human interpretation. So, we are fighting this conceptualization itself. We are fighting. this war of philosophy of consciousness of reality and it is something that we think we are already doing. We think that we are already living within a reality. We think we are, we have a structured reality here. But the truth of the matter is that we live with our conceptions. We are our conceptions. And again, conceptions are anything that... ...take us out of reality. Conceptions are anything that... ...any idea that we have about anything... And there are a whole host um, of different uh, attributes of conception. Um, all of them uh, listed as under the targets and enemies that profiles, and um, they all do slightly different things, like an army like an Air Force or a Navy or a Ground Force, and so on and so on. But all of these things work together under the banner of conception. And what they do furthers us from interacting with reality. They keep us from seeing what is. Um, They keep us from being our true and fullest selves. Because conceptions are... have an existence only because we give them that existence again you have an idea about something we attach ourselves to that idea you have an idea about something and you say well that that idea is a part of me because i i bore it i birthed it i gave it it's life, and I'm trying to perpetuate its being, so you know that that is an extension of me. So, oftentimes, a conception holds on to the person, or vice versa, because they're so intricately attached um and a conception then becomes a part of who we are and it dictates how we interact with reality how we see things how we judge Things, how we perceive, what our consciousness is, how we act. Even though it may have no actuality in truth, even though this concept may be completely antiquated or, you know, usually concepts are useful for a time, but they're just, it's just a bridge, it's the walkway between one reality and another, it's a way to understand, a way to experience, a way to interact. With the world. It's the bridge, it's not the interaction itself. It's the understanding. Again, it's the concept it's the metaphysical bridge that leads us to another reality. But oftentimes what we do is we because that bridge was so successful in bringing us to where we ought to be, we attempt to use it again, even though it might be the wrong size, the wrong shape. We tend to use it again and again until, you know, it's the only way we have of walking anywhere. So, concepts, both small and large, are dangerous because they are the ways in which we interpret the world. They're the means because we have disconnected ourselves with the reality. Because even though the reality exists with us, the reality often isn't dictated by us. Where conceptions are, where conceptions build precise bridges back to us. And we know because we built them. (laughs) We know exactly what they do. We know exactly how they act. We know exactly how they relate to us. Where reality, we often don't. Reality is often something that is scary and difficult to us. And what conception does is it offers us a safe haven. It's like the abusive parent who beats and abuses the child mentally, physically, emotionally, um, but yet provides a home for them at the same time. So we've come to love and count on Conception. Count We count on this war for survival. And yet, because, because we do have a say in it, we do have... This is our life. <laughs> we do have some sort of direct interaction with it. We, with conception, we become gods. Okay. We, be, we become masters of the self-created universe. When the reality is something scary. Something that we don't have much control over that we don't know very well because it's difficult to look at Uh, we, we often lose ourselves completely in it even if we just blink at it and so we fortify ourselves with, with the enemy. Again, it's like an addict, like the soldier who's come home from the battlefield. We are absorbed in something that is detrimental to our being. And we cannot survive with it for forever, because sooner or later that human-ness of our nature that that originality, that reality that we no longer even often <laughs> are aware of or at least we are aware of it only 1% of the time compared to all the other conceptions all the other ideas we have about the world but we are in danger of losing that originality also um Because we even conceptualize that, oftentimes it becomes something that we have to think about. We we can't just be. Oftentimes we just, we can't just be. We have to be something. We have to know something. We have to do something. And if we aren't this other thing, or if we don't do this other thing, or we don't become this other thing, or things don't happen the way that we want them to, so that is the reality doesn't match up with the idea, with the concept. Then we become defeated. And then... We become lost. We become occupied. So... We need to... In order... To prevent this... Defeat. We need to... Talk... About conception. We need to fight back against it. And we need to. Defeat it. And live. In reality. In a reality that we. Just like conception then help. To create and can have a relationship with. And can. Not master because that's not the point but. We can have a much more meaningful relationship with reality than we can with any idea or notion. So now, to talk about conception, though, is is difficult to do. And this has been a very vague and difficult exercise, to be quite honest with you. Because it's so elusive and so pervasive... ...that almost every aspect of our lives um, is impregnated with it. Um, And then is, you know, we, by our very actions... ...again, give birth to, you know, it in a stronger manifest. So, the best way to conquer an army on the battlefield is to first divide it up. Well, is to of course we have to know all about it. But when we're battling it, when we're in the crux, when we're in the in the shit, we it is best to divide that army, to break it up so we can isolate it. And we've done that with the uh, enemies list. Um, and likewise, we've done that with the allies list for uh, the exact opposite reason. is um, You know, you can't send the whole army to capture a single man. You use the tactical units and employ uh, certain um, procedures and certain weapons and certain allies against it, and, and we've done that as well on the, on the allies' side. But so far as the enemy is concerned, so far as conception itself is concerned, we need to divide it. Um, and we need to then see how every aspect of it has come to prey upon, to leech upon our lives. Um, and from that recognition, um, uh, we can fight it from there. Um, so, conceptualization and uh, our war against it, our philosophical war, Um, Our war is a war of consciousness is a war of being of awareness of being Of being it is a war of being not a war of idea it is a not a war of Of Thought a war of consciousness A war of reality a war of relationship or a war to get that relationship back and to secure once and for all our originality Uh, so we have the freedom to simply be and uh, to be content with that being because conception Again, it is so strong. Because it is elusive. Because it has eluded us, it has become powerful. And we need to expose it. We need to bring it out of hiding. Um... And even if we aren't able to kill it all with, with you know, one protracted battle or one protracted war, it will at least begin to put chinks in its armor. Um, and it will set the stage for whatever comes next. Um, because this is a battle that needs to be fought. And it is a battle that will be won if engaged properly. There's no doubt about that. There's no alternative to victory, in fact. And victory will be inevitable so long as our intentions are pure um, and our abilities are realized because conception is limited uh, but we are not and the power of the human being relies in its dynamic nature, relies in its ability to conversate with reality, with what is. Um, And this is precisely where conception falls short. This is precisely where ideas become laughed at relics of old times when things weren't understood very well. If you think about it, think of all the ideas, all the notions about so many things (laughs) of the past that were so wrong that were so wrong they were actually harmful think of how inhibiting they were think of how much further we could have gone without them there but some people say well it's a necessary happening cuz without a b and c you can't get to z Well In a way that's true But in a way it's not In a way If you are completely With With the truth With what is With the actual The actuality Of a thing Then You don't need to be You don't need You know All these other letters to get to Z. That is to get to Z. To get with to get with reality. To get to get to what is truth, actuality, whatever you want to call it. Now, there are some things that, technologically speaking, yes, maybe we needed experience with. Um, But most of those things actually are are human. conceptions. (laughs) conceptions. <laughs> really, there's nothing to get to. There's really nothing to do. Um, and, in a way, maybe it's a good thing that, and again, we'll talk about how there is no such thing as good or bad later, but maybe it's a quote-unquote good thing um, that it happened this way, because now we can master mind master mind both conception and reality Um, because the relation of mind to reality and the relation of mind to conception are very different things very different processes. And conception is born from human interaction with its own ideas. Um, and they get, we get these ideas from, you know, mostly things that we've conceptualized <laughs> in other ways. Experience, uh, nature... Um, The the list goes on and on And we will talk about it more in depth Later but um, That is how the mind Deals with conception Is Is it builds upon It's own thoughts And it's own You know Extrapolations um, From it's own perceptions that's the key, is it can only take what it perceives. Um, but the mind's experience with reality is something totally different. Um, it is what consciousness really is. When the mind deals with reality, if it truly inhabits that space, then it and reality become one thing. See, concepts are divisions. Reality is a totality. An unbroken happening. Concepts, any to any, Our separations, their divisions Their Lines drawn In the sand of reality In the sands of reality And How the mind The mind really becomes Human mind As we know it today Through this use of conception, through this, through this building of its own, of its own self, mind's own self, mind built itself through conception. So again, maybe you could quote-unquote talk about it as a good thing uh, that we have, We've gone over to this, you know, far stretching, this far part of the earth, and uh, can now fight our way back to our homeland um, and have it. You know, this this conquering. Uh, I hate to use the word conquering because it's really would be a liberation but the, our conquering is a liberation our conquering is freedom and it's not the type of freedom that we talk about in political ways or in religious terms or in a spiritual way it is freedom itself it is Because that's what reality is. It's the freedom to go... It's the freedom of potential. It's the freedom to... Have anything... Happen. To have anything actualize. To have anything be. Not in thought. In reality. Again, there is a... Profound difference between the relationship of mind to concept and of mind to reality. A profound, profound difference. So, we need to, again, look... Concepts are in our daily life. There are ideas that we have about anything because the idea is separate from the thing itself. And even the way we speak. Matter of fact, especially the way we speak, language is not the thing. Language is a concept, and it is one of the most vulnerable elements of conception. Um, but we will speak about that you know may probably maybe in the uh, chapters or in the text afterwards about uh Uh, conception because it is such an easy target. It's such a vulnerable position. But the reality is different than the idea. And you need to see in your daily life this fact that you have an idea about anything, about how anything is supposed to go, anything you're supposed to do, um, anything that is supposed to happen. Um, From your subjective point of view, and of course we will talk about subjectivity and objectivity, which is another very vulnerable position, which is why we will attack it. (laughs) <laughs> um, and that might be our ultimate goal after death of God and, you know, blah, 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 this into non death of God and the absurd into non Um But from your subjective point of view, you build ideas about how things should be. How you want them to be. Um, or how things are. Uh, you know... The easiest example in the world is... <laughs> the general conception of the world... And of its physical composite of it being flat. Now... That's great. A long time ago they thought it was flat. Okay. That's fine. However... Uh, They thought it was flat. (laughs) What difference does it make? basically is what, you know, I mean, yes, you know, astrophysicists will say, you know, cosmologists will say, well, it makes quite a bit of difference, actually, because, you know, if it was flat, then these forces could not, blah, blah, blah. What is its utility? What is its actuality with us? I mean, they thought it was flat, because when we walk on it, it's fucking flat. Think about how we draw up the maps. Always north, pointing up. Why is this? (laughs) We orient ourselves in a certain way. Right now I'm walking due west. So my map is due west right now. But when we step back and look at something, when we conceptualize something, when we take ourselves out of it, and see, that's just the point. When we extract ourselves from it, We can bend it any way we want to. We can look at a map north, south, east, west, topographically, fucking wind currents, it doesn't matter. Because it's a concept. It's only a way of seeing. It's not seeing itself. It's not being, it's not actuality, it's not totality, it's not reality. It's a concept. A map of the Earth is not the Earth itself. A picture of it, a satellite image of Earth, is not it. It's an idea. It's you know satellite. All these things, this te- these technological devices, they are tools. They are extensions of ourselves. But what is the extension of ourselves, right? extension of ourselves give us a way to interact with what is with a certain physical phenomenological nature of what is but we conceptualize that often and we classify it and we say well if you interact with this thing in this way and you're of this body type this will happen and we build sciences off of that Dangerous Fucking sciences off of that um, Now we probably build more That are not dangerous That save lives That help us In the wrong, long run But There is A dangerous element there And some people will say Well What are you going to do? You know you got to break a few eggs To make the omelette And And while that might be true uh, To a certain extent um, we, would ha- we wouldn't need to break so many eggs uh, If we weren't so hungry So What Needs to happen From here And maybe I should expand on that last point um, to those who, who are missing it is that we take all of these things, all these concepts, all these sciences, all this because we're unhappy with the way that something is, right? We don't like to be sick, so we make you know, something to cure the sickness. And, in a technological way, there's nothing better than that. That's what science is. Science is the, uh, the attempt to interact with reality. It's a human interaction, to objectively interact with reality on a technical level. Um, so that we can move through phenomena. Um, in a different way, in a in a way that in a way that we are better equipped to do uh, if we were naked. Otherwise, if we were otherwise naked. So there's nothing wrong with technology. In that point, it's from a conceptual basis that this need to uh, to understand to have um, gives us this hunger. And, uh, you know, we, we often just follow the formula. Well, you're sick, uh, you know, take two of these and call me, you know, if this, this, or this happens. Well, you know, every, but every person is different. But I mean, it's a difficult to, uh, very difficult to deal with with reality, with individuality, with you know, this kind of happening, um, when you follow formulas, um, so, that's, that's all I'm saying in that regard, but, um, and again, we wouldn't, there, we we wouldn't have this self-imposed hunger, uh, eating away at us if we accepted more, um, and I'm talking about in general. I'm not talking about we, if we just accepted that we were sick and going to die, no, it's, or we couldn't, we we're powerless to do anything, or we shouldn't, you know, science is an evil or something like that. So we shouldn't attempt to try it in, uh, because of, you know, of some religious belief or some take on reality, or see that, and that's how uh, these religious fanatics uh, get to this place of not tempting. Uh, uh that which we were given that you know there's that old joke about the man who drowned in a flood and he, you know who you know somebody sent the helicopter and or you know a warning about the flood and a boat and then a helicopter and the man refuses them all cuz he says you know that you know, god's going to save him and he gets to heaven and he says why didn't you save me god and he, god says what are you talking about i sent you a, a warning a boat and a helicopter <laughs> so uh, um, but you can see how the you know fanatical mind um, uh, would be opposed to uh, some of of these things but that's absurd of course um, the acceptance that I'm talking about um, is a general contentment um, and it's it's a much more... Broad, wide ranging acceptance. Um, it is acceptance itself. It's not acceptance of a particular thing, although that is part of it. So, a particular thing happens to you, you have to accept it. What else can you do? I mean, in reality, um, we accept everything that happens to us because we have no choice. <laughs> we are choicelessly accepting beings. Um, it's when we don't accept that we make conception. And, you know, the reality always comes back around and will always force us to accept it anyway. Um, But the conception sort of staves it off. Uh, Just like, you know, a medicine uh, uh, staves, you know, death from uh, a sick person. Um, And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. (laughs) Um, But... There is a problem when you take too much medicine, right? Um, You can die from that also. And that's what has happened, um, is we are overdosed with the medicine. We're overdosed with conception. We're overdosed with how crafty we think we are. It's how, how good we think we are, and not, not in a moral sense, but how, how good uh, uh, at solving things we've become. And we have become very good at it um, on the whole. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, but it's the reliance on that that can be detrimental. Um, and again, it's very vague speaking about it here. Um, we, we need to go into it in uh, you know, much more particular ways uh, um, to see it. We need to, we need to live with the Conception in order to flush it out. We need to become this sort of double agent. Um, and you, know, you have to fight Conception on its turf, which is unfortunately our turf, um <laughs> uh and then we need to reorient and reposition ourselves um, in you know a mode that is free of of the concepts um, so we need to come back to ourselves we need to have uh, to replace this void dug out on us by by conception Um, because this is a war and it is again something of a performance played out in this piece and and others uh, and it's subsequent you know uh, writings and dictations and all of those things. Um, but this is a this is a war um, that is no less deadly, uh, no less harmful, no less uh, the, the, the stakes that are are higher than any war, any physical one any one that we've come to know in the past, Uh, this is the most important war. This is the most... the most... forceful enemy... with... the most fearsome weapons... Because, again, we ourselves are the weapons makers. And we fight one another. <laughs> and it is, this war is for nothing less um, than our humanity. And I don't mean our way of life. I mean our human being. It's for mind itself. It's for our hearts It's for the way that we are. It's for so many beautiful qualities about human nature that get swept under this barrage of media focus on all the shit that's happening in the world. Because this war is... ...is bigger than all of those things. This is truly, in the most real way imaginable... ...the war to end all wars. Because without... Fighting this war. Other war will not end. Real physical, not real war, physical war. (laughs) This is a real war. As anything, as any war that has been ever fought in the past. And again, although it's a performance here. We need to recognize it as... Real and only performed in this venue because there is no other way to fight it. So we fight it here. Again, we fight it on its terms. And with its weapons that it forged. And we turn them on them. Because we will see that they are all bunk. They're all mirage. It's surface without substance. And... That being the case, once these enemies, once these targets have been engaged, and we will engage them in the proper way, once they've been engaged, then the victory is inevitable, as I've said before. We need to engage in the proper way. We need to interact. uh, And we need to carry ourselves. uh, And and comport these ideas. um, With the respect. um, Delicacy. And. With. With all that they deserve with all the the acumen and the honor that that they deserve Um, because this is a war of dignity Uh, this is Something that it's a civil war within ourselves, and it's something that uh, we will show up in the, as um, as people we love. It will show up as uh, as some something or someone we respect. Um, and those are its unfortunate faces. Um, But that's precisely why this war needs to be fought, um, and why, of course, it will be difficult to win, but why it will be winnable, because all of these things... From our family To Institutions that they might belong to These are all also Very much a part of us And We are part of them So In conceptions Stranglehold on us also Lies its inevitable downfall and its gift to us is that through its invasion, um, the seeds of our own liberation are sown. Because these things are us, and we are them now. We are like a half man, half machine, ranging. In a robotic world that has glimmers of nature and humanity still seeding through the metal, the, the artificial layers. But we in this war, as, as any other, choose it. Because it was thrust upon us, and we choose not to be slaves to that. We choose not to surrender, to become prisoners. Um... We choose to fight. And... This fight... Will... Again, have inevitable victory. Um, but... First, it, it must be fought. And... What follows is that happening, is that doing. This is a philosophical war, and we are in it.